Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn, the blogcast for people who overthink. Each week, I offer you a short snippet of what I've been thinking about. So when you're tired of the voices in your own head, take a break and listen to the ones in mine. And this week, I'm thinking about ageism. It's something I think about a lot, actually. And it's the last ism to be recognized. And you know what? It's not just a problem for old people. In our culture, not just North America, but a whole lot of the developed world, ageism is so ingrained that it's easy to miss. We're so used to it that we don't even see it when it's right there in front of us. Here's an example. I was looking for an image to use in an article on the topic of successful aging, so I searched on my favorite royalty-free sites using the keywords happy older person or laughing older person. I wanted to find something that portrayed someone who was undeniably and unapologetically older and who was vital, joyous, and free. I found a picture of a silver-haired woman in a red sundress, looking carefree and pedaling her bicycle along a lovely waterfront. Perfect. But then, I took a second look at the photo's key words. They were park, bike, senior, lonely, cycling. Where I saw a vibrant woman enjoying herself to the full, the algorithmic assumption is that I should see a lonely senior. If the woman in the photo had flowing blonde or dark hair and was wearing shorts and a crop top revealing smooth skin, the terms senior and lonely would no more have appeared in the keywords than lagoon or squirrel would have. And yet, the cyclist in question was riding toward what could be a saltwater lagoon in a park which could be assumed to contain, as parks tend to do, squirrels. The image isn't expected to make us think of either lagoons or squirrels. But a lady of a certain age riding a bike solo? We're not assumed to think independent, active, exuberant. Nope. Instead, senior, lonely, sad. That, my friends, is ageism. It's everywhere. And like I said, it's a problem for everyone. All of us currently moving through life on Earth whether with a stroller, a Tesla, or a walker, are aging. To deny that fact is to deny the passage of time, which is silly, and to deny the inevitability of death, which is tragic. Because when we do that, we also deny the awe-inspiring, precious, ephemeral yet enduring nature of life. But from our earliest days, we're acculturated to fear aging like it's the boogeyman. We are fed a steady, below-the-radar barrage of messages that convince us that aging is a guaranteed spiral into infirmity, irrelevance, and uselessness. We'll be shriveled in mind and spirit. We'll be ugly. We'll be lonely. Probably we'll lose our minds somewhere along the way, becoming somebody's problem, until we can be safely warehoused to await the Grim Reaper, preferably as invisibly as possible. As we so often do with things we fear and fail to understand, we cope by employing ridicule. Older adults are the one class of humans who are still expected to withstand brutal stereotyping, derogatory terms, and cruel imagery everywhere they turn, from ageist jokes to advertising to birthday cards, without complaint. Often, they're expected to participate in their own humiliation. And because none of us, once we're old enough to get those teasing birthday cards— wants to come across as old and crotchety, we often do exactly that. 
After all, it's okay to take cheap shots at the elderly, because elderly always refers to someone older than we are, doesn't it? Anyway, the targets of our ridicule rarely shoot back. Meanwhile, the clock keeps ticking, for all of us. If we refuse to embrace aging, or at least to become aware of our hidden biases around it, we're doomed to a constant internal seepage of fear, fear of our own futures. This is an especially obvious dilemma for women, whose social currency is still largely equated with dewy youth and fecundity. We can't get to our 30th birthdays without being deluged by offers of what are literally called anti-aging products. We're under intense pressure to somehow remain in place at an acceptable, commercially desirable age by employing an arsenal ranging from Instagram filters to surgery. Let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look good at any age. But at any age is the key. We shouldn't be expected to look the same at age 52 as we did at age 32, any more than we should arrive at our 32nd birthdays looking like we did when we were 12. Age discrimination cuts both ways. True, there are developmental stages in childhood and to some extent throughout our lives that must be acknowledged and respected. An eight-year-old might possibly be able to handle a firearm, for instance, but in a humane and functional society, they are not recruited as soldiers. In order for society to function, we draw certain age boundaries that we generally accept, even though they certainly don't apply to every individual. For example, driver's licenses at age 16, voting at 18, legally ordering a cocktail at age 21. But past a certain point, assuming someone is too young for a certain position can be as problematic as assuming they're too old. What of the talented 23-year-old attorney who's overlooked by her firm's partners and spurned by older associates? Or the young project manager who faces an uphill battle due to resistance from his team? Early in my son's career as an airline pilot flying for a regional commuter line, he would deliver a plane full of passengers safely to their destination but then be unable to rent a car once he got there, because he wasn't yet twenty-five. And ageism is one more ism that divides us. From lumping all older adults into an inferior category to walling them off in senior communities, we unwittingly create schisms in our already fractured society. We lose the chance to learn from our elders' experience and perspective— just as we lose the opportunity to witness and prepare for what Judith Viorst calls our necessary losses, as well as the freedom, wisdom, and joy that our later years, if we're lucky enough to live them, may entail. So how do we become anti-ageist? That's a question I'm going to spend some time exploring, so expect to hear more on this topic in the future. I expect I'll uncover more questions than answers, but having the right questions is often the critical step in initiating deliberate growth. Here's one place I'm starting, oldschool.info, a remarkable clearinghouse of information and resources begun by Ashton Applewhite. She's an anti-ageism activist and the author of This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism. In keeping with the principle that all ages benefit when they pull together rather than apart, Applewhite's old-school co-founders are Kyrie Carpenter, age 35, and Ryan Backer, age 32, which, in my view, is really cool. I'm reading Ashton Applewhite's book, and I'll be delving into more of old school's toolkits and information. And I'm working with Crow's Feet, 
a popular medium publication about aging, on a potential new podcast. I'll let you know how it goes. Because none of us are getting any younger. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Here's a Thought with Jan M. Flynn. I hope you enjoyed it, and if so, please consider subscribing if you haven't yet on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you have a moment, leave me a positive review or a star on Spotify. It really helps me build my audience. And until next time, may all your thoughts be good ones. <laughs>